Hey, it's Antoinette, and welcome to episode eight of the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast. This season is sponsored by my post-pill guidebook, which dispels the top myths about hormonal birth control and provides you with the next steps to rebalance your hormones and ease your transition back to hormone heaven without the unwanted side effects and while preserving your future fertility. You can grab your copy in the show notes or by visiting www.antoinettefalco.com. In today's episode, we are talking about PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and breaking down the four different types of PCOS, as well as how this reproductive condition affects other systems in the body. And we'll be discussing some of the key steps that are essential to your healing journey with PCOS. My amazing guest today is the wonderful Elizabeth Raybould. She is a holistic nutritionist, hormone hacker, and mindset coach. And I can't wait to share all of her fantastic tidbits of information with all of you today. Welcome to the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast, a podcast about female empowerment through menstrual cycle health, the true heartbeat of your hormone status. With each episode, we'll explore the foundations of hormone health with science, soulful, and heartfelt conversations, a dash of sass, and feminine pizzazz. Our dream is to arm you with exactly what you need to be an unstoppable female force, ready to achieve all that your heart desires and embrace your inner goddess. And here's your host, naturopathic doctor, birth doula, fertility awareness educator, hormone enthusiast, and lover of pretty things, Antoinette Falco. Welcome, Elizabeth. It's so great to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat with you. I know we got your bio in our in our opening clip, but I wanted to give you an opportunity just to share a little bit in your own words, what led you to do the work that you do. Throughout nutrition school, I always knew that I wanted to work with women's hormones And at first I was super drawn to the fertility world because members of my family were directly affected by challenges getting pregnant. And I realized how large the scope of fertility was. And over time, because of who was coming to see me, I've broadened my scope. And now I see all sorts of women struggling with hormonal imbalances from fertility to fibroids to PMS to PCOS and everything in between. Great. Yeah. And and as we're learning more and more fertility is not just one thing. It's more of a combination of many factors. And some of the situations you described, like women know they have those well before they're in the fertility, you know, trying to conceive world. It's really important for the work that you do to highlight that before they even get to that stage. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we're talking about PCOS today. And let's just start with a general what is PCOS and possibly, you know, what women can look for if they suspect that they might have it. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, but unlike the name suggests, it does not mean you have cysts on your ovaries all the time. Instead, what we look at is a group of symptoms. And interestingly enough, there are actually four different types of PCOS. And depending on who you ask, we all categorize them a little bit differently. But the four types that I like to look at are insulin resistance, post-pill PCOS, inflammatory, and adrenal PCOS. Mm -hmm. And typically when we talk about PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, we talk about high levels of androgens and insulin resistance. And it's really a metabolic issue and a hormonal imbalance. And these imbalances lead to a number of symptoms, including 
oily skin, acne, especially along the jawline, hirsutism or excess male pattern hair growth, irregular periods, infertility, weight gain, and even hair loss. All right, I'm gonna rewind you a little bit just because we gotta explain some of those terms. So I know you talked about androgens, but can you explain what are androgens? Yeah, so androgens are male hormones. So things like testosterone, that's typically what we think of when we think of male pattern hormones is testosterone. And a lot of times, depending on the type of PCOS we're talking about, we can see those levels of those male hormones elevated. They cause, if they're elevated, what you mentioned, facial hair, hirsutism, acne. And you mentioned insulin resistance as well. So if we can just explain like what, ins- what is insulin resistance? How could someone know or know if they possibly have that going on? Yeah, so insulin is our blood sugar hormone. So every time you eat, insulin is going to be elevated. But sometimes insulin can be elevated all the time, which is when insulin resistance kind of comes into the picture is when insulin can't get into the cell. And so we're seeing these symptoms of moodiness and hangriness. Insulin, because it's a hormone, can also contribute to hormonal imbalance symptoms. Right. Like affecting our reproductive reproductive. Exactly. Hormone. You were talking about insulin resistant PCOS, post pill, inflammatory, and adrenal. We're gonna dive in for sure in a lot more detail on the adrenal one. So I'm excited. Okay. So my next question for you is how PCOS, you know, it affects women's menstrual cycles. We know that irregular periods is often a common symptom, but I'm always interested to learn about the other systems that are involved in PCOS. Uh, I for sure heard it be referred to more of a metabolic condition versus a reproductive, those just being different systems in the body, but maybe you can speak to those other symptoms and like what you typically see in women that you work with. I typically see the adrenal health playing a really big picture in PCOS and the connection between PCOS and adrenal health. What that means is one of the hormones that's produced is DHEA, which comes from the adrenals. And if you're not able to, if you're, if you're having an abnormal response to stress, that can trigger adrenal PCOS. Unlike the other types of PCOS, adrenal PCOS isn't driven by inflammation or insulin. It's strictly abnormal response to stress, which is really interesting when you're treating it. And the treatment actually varies if it's adrenal versus the other types of PCOS. You talked a lot about, you know, adrenals, adrenals, you hear it's sort of become a buzzword. Yeah. Or it's always been a buzzword. But to think about it being, you know, another layer and even affecting being involved in this PCOS picture makes me think it's quite complicated. Yeah. Yeah. PCOS is complicated and adrenal health is complicated. Right. Because everything <laughs> plays into so many different systems of the body, right? Right. Yeah. We talked a little bit about the four different types, but let me ask you this. Like how is it important is it to actually identify each of the types before starting treatment? I know you spoke earlier about how it is important to PCOS and, and the treatment does change within each type. But are there any treatments that could be helpful across all types of PCOS? Yeah, so it's important to understand what you're dealing with in order to have the best action plan going forward. So it is definitely important to figure out what type of PCOS. And again, you can have more than one type, like you can check multiple boxes off. Mm-hmm. But to prioritize what you're dealing with and what your biggest symptoms are, 
in order to get to the root of those and deal with those it's really important and it's going to require a different approach depending on what type you're dealing with but there are definitely overarching things that you can do for every type of PCOS so things like an anti-inflammatory diet again is a buzzword anti-inflammatory mm -hmm. and it's going to look different for every person but two sorts of diets that I really like to focus on in my practice are autoimmune paleo and keto or lower carb and higher fat because they're just going to support not only the adrenals, but also the thyroid and your reproductive health and so many different systems in the body. There's a really big connection between autoimmune disease and PCOS as well. The mm -hmm. thought here is that it's because PCOS is an estrogen dominant condition. And because your immune system, the T cells and the B lymphocytes are both reactant to estrogen, there's a big connection between high estrogen and increased autoimmune diseases. Um, so it's really important to lower inflammation and try to take care of that before it becomes a problem. So definitely um, an anti-inflammatory diet is amazing for that and working on your stress and your immune health as well. So things like adaptogens and mindset work and journaling are all really important parts of the PCOS puzzle. Mm. Oh, I like that PCOS puzzle because it sure <laughs> is a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's great. And then, you know, I can appreciate you mentioning these two types of diets. I know everyone, everyone seems to be doing, you know, the keto diet lately and everyone wants to know about it. And would you be, would you be able to speak to perhaps the keto diet and some of the effects that may not, like it may not work for certain um, hormonal conditions? Or would you say it in combination would be helpful for women with PCOS? Like, could you speak more about the keto diet? And maybe, because I know there's going to be women listening or you're like, oh, keto diet, I got to go <laughs> run and do the keto diet. And I just want to make sure we have all the information. Keto diet, there are definitely key things that people forget to do okay. on a lower carb protocol. So something like the keto diet. And it's not the magic pill. <laughs> Nothing is. There isn't one. <laughs> there is isn't one. If there was, we'd all like have it and that would be great. But the keto diet isn't a magic pill. It requires work. But one of the key mistakes that I see a lot of people making on the keto diet mm -hmm. is low fiber. One of the things that we haven't talked about yet, but fiber, because it plays such a huge role in detoxification and getting rid of excess hormones and toxins. When you're increasing your fat content, it means you might not be eliminating hormones effectively so if you're not consuming enough fiber which seems to be this like big mythical creature on the keto diet um if you're not consuming enough fiber you're not going to be breaking down and eliminating hormones effectively so no diet is going to help your pcos if you're holding on to hormones right right fiber is going to play a huge part and things like flax seeds and chia seeds and loads of cruciferous vegetables, all of these things are low carb foods. So you can definitely consume ample amounts of them on the keto diet so that you're ensuring that you're still eliminating effectively because that's a huge problem. And I see so many women come into my clinic who are on the keto diet, but not having bowel movements every day or having really terrible bowel movements. And that's going to play a huge part in any hormone picture. Mm. So it's really important to up your fiber, up your water. 
and ensure that you're doing keto right because there are lots of ways to do keto as an inflammatory diet and not anti-inflammatory when you're consuming loads of processed meats and processed dairy and all of these things that's going to lead to more inflammation not less in your body such a good point thank you for for bringing that up anti-inflammatory versus inflammatory like you totally want to be doing the right form of the keto diet yeah and just like any diet it can go awry at any point in time is if you're consuming too much of something or if you're consuming something that doesn't work in your body or is causing a stress response or an immune response in your body, that's going to cause inflammation and that's going to lead you down the wrong pathway. Right. I think this is why it's so important to work with people who can support you on this, on a diet change. I know in my practice, I'm, I'm constant. I'm always, I'm like, do you need resources? How can we support you? And then recommending, you know, nutritionists who work in that field, like yourself, who are able to really support women holistically and who also get how the hormones are involved and what, you know, it's not just about meal plans, it's understanding the big picture. That is awesome. So yeah, we'll just lead into the next, my next question for you, which was, what are your top three tips for women who have been recently diagnosed with PCOS? Of course, fiber is key. Fiber, <laughs> whoop, whoop. <laughs> but first and foremost, it's really important to remember when you're diagnosed with anything, but especially PCOS, that you are not your diagnosis. Mm. You have hands, you are not your hands. You have a nose, you are not your nose. You have PCOS, you are not PCOS. This is one of the biggest things I see with my clients, they come into my office feeling so deflated and overwhelmed because they have this heavy diagnosis and they don't actually know what it means and it's all encompassing. But remember that you can still have the life of your dreams. You just have to figure out how to create an action plan that gets you there. And so that may mean that you have to invest in someone who knows what they're talking about and knows what they're doing to help you get there. That's definitely first. I'm all about mindset. Yeah. Second, I always recommend to all of my hormone clients, so whether it's PCOS or PMS or anything else, to use seed cycling. So mm -hmm. seed cycling is a really wonderful way to help your body to regulate hormone production. So I have a whole blog post on my website with a how-to guide on seed cycling, but just the gist of it is to strategically consume seeds during your entire cycle. So for the first two weeks or so, you're going to be consuming pumpkin seeds and flax seeds. And then for the second half of your cycle from ovulation until your next period, you're going to want to consume sunflower seeds and sesame seeds. And you're going to also, to your other point, get fiber and some fats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my last point here is to make sure you're consuming enough fiber and drinking enough water. So that's going to be key for helping to eliminate hormones and toxins. So things like Broccoli and kale and Brussels sprouts and cabbage and cauliflower are all amazing cruciferous vegetables, which means they are liver loving. So your mm -hmm. liver is going to love on these vegetables thanks to specific compounds in them. But they're also packed full of fiber, which is going to help eliminate those excess toxins and hormones. And then nuts and seeds are amazing for balancing blood sugar, that insulin that we were talking about, because they're packed full of fiber, protein, and healthy fats. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I'm a big fan of the seed of seed cycling. I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. It's pretty cool that you can heal yourself with plants and that yeah. the plants help support your body's hormones. Like that's mm -hmm. pretty awesome. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's just do a little recap. So we're talking about the four different types of PCOS and we're talking about, you know, insulin being insulin resistant PCOS being one of them, post pill PCOS being one of them, inflammatory PCOS being one of them, adrenal being one of them. And we are chatting a lot about how important fiber is, how important it is to manage your blood sugar. We talked about adrenal, we talked about stress and how that plays a big role. So why don't we go into like some of your top favorite ways that women can help to rebalance their adrenals. And then from there, you know, you'll probably touch in a little bit on like the mindset piece, which you alluded to, because I think that's a super important area when it comes to PCOS. Funnily enough, uh, yesterday I got an email from a client saying that everything in her protocol was going really, really well. The meal plan was amazing. The food was great. She was feeling great. But the mindset and journaling was the hardest thing to do out of the whole protocol. So I get it. The hardest thing. It sounds like the easiest thing, but actually it's the hardest thing to get your mind around and to start putting into work. So stress. There are so many ways to balance your adrenal glands and to help lower stress. And whatever way works for you is going to be the best way. Consistency is always best. But I love things, mindset specific, things like journaling, meditation are amazing. I also love using plants as power. So using things like adaptogens, which help to balance the nervous system out. So things like reishi, cordyceps. All of these types of mushrooms and herbs are amazing for helping to balance your adrenal glands and ensuring that you're saying no enough so that you're not taking on too much and actually talking to people. So there's this big thing in in the fertility world and the hormone world where we're not talking to people about what we're going through. And I think that it's overarching in every aspect of our life, but ensuring that you're having conversations with people you care about, about your diagnosis, so that it's not this big burden on your shoulder. That's Mm going to take away so much of the stress. And it's actually going to be really helpful for you moving forward because people might have recommendations or even just a listening ear so that you don't feel alone in this diagnosis because it can be very overwhelming and isolating. Mm. Oh, that's so important. And having support community having people who can be like hey this is happening to me too like let's talk about it let's let's mm-hmm. connect you know yeah yeah and then the other one we didn't really touch on is post pill PCOS so if you could share a bit about you know what that is like how that happens how does it differ from the other ones so i'm sure you know all about this being the <laughs> post pill queen that my you are my favorite kind of PCOS <laughs> <laughs> so post pill PCOS there are a lot just like any other type of PCOS, there are a lot of components and factors at play. So one thing that the pill does really terribly is it messes with your gut bacteria and it causes something called dysbiosis. So dysbiosis is when there's more bad bacteria in your gut than good bacteria. And we're seeing so many new studies coming out lately showing that women with PCOS, like regardless of the of the birth control pill have dysbiosis. So have more bad bacteria than good bacteria. And that's leading to a lot of the weight gain and some of the symptoms. So when you're throwing in the the pill with that, it's causing that to be even worse. So it's exacerbating that dysbiosis picture, which is really important to consider if you're looking at conventional treatments for PCOS. The pill might not be your best route, A, because it's just a Band-Aid solution, 
but B, because it's going to actually make your symptoms a lot worse when you come off of the pill. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something to consider. And then because of the synthetic hormones that are in birth control and hormonal birth control, we're seeing hormone levels drop really severely and the body not being able to make up hormones after you get off of the pill or any hormonal birth control. So that can trigger PCOS to come into play as well. Such a good point that you bring up about thinking when looking at treating conventionally PCOS, that because the treatment is often the pill for PCOS. And I'll say treatment in quotation because we know it's not the treatment, but it is what's available in conventional medicine's toolbox. So yeah, it's a little bit, it's making it worse for sure down the road when they come off, but also knowing I think this is a really good point to hammer home for listeners is that if you have PCOS, you go to your doctor, you get all the blood work done and you know, and your doctor's like, yes, you have PCOS. You allow yourself to pause and say, okay, thank you. I'm going to decide what my next step is because what will happen is the next line out of your doctor's mouth is going to be, oh, here's this prescription for this pill. This is like how we treat it. And you want to be empowered with that knowledge to know that this is, that no, that's not actually the treatment for me. I, I need to look at this in a more like holistic way. As we've discussed in the episode, it is totally a whole body involves a lot more. It's the, I love that PCOS puzzle because there's so much more involved in it than just, well, let's shut off your hormones with the pill well, that's not really helping me feel better. And it's definitely not going to support my body down the road. No. And the other, so that's one conventional solution for or treatment in quotations for PCOS. Mm-hmm. The other is metformin. Yes. Um, so that's going to play into that uh, insulin resistance picture, but know that there are other options other than metformin for controlling your blood sugar. A diet plays a huge role huge. in balancing <laughs> your blood sugar like mega big. (laughs) And there are also lots of supplements and herbs that can support your body in ways that metformin does without going on metformin. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to have all the answers before making your final decision so that you're understanding what repercussions you're going to face after the fact, if any. Mm -hmm. Yes. There definitely is a lot of good research looking at inositol, for example, as, as a supplement where they compared it directly to metformin. Yeah. And that to me is like, come on, why are we still recommending metformin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Ocetol is one and berberine is another one that yes. they've done extensive studies showing that they're just as effective as metformin and don't have the negative side effects that metformin does. Plants are powerful. You said yep. that. That's great. <laughs> okay. And so one last thing, because this one I think is going to hit home for a lot of our listeners. Often, you know, you get the, your doctor tells you that you have PCOS and, you know, you go home and you're, you're, you go to Dr. Google. That's what everybody does. And, and the first thing that will come up in when you're researching is that you will struggle to get pregnant and that your fertility, future fertility is at risk. So I want you to share, you know, some, some insight here and perhaps some positive messages for women who might be feeling a little, feeling devastated and feeling they can't even imagine that happening to them because maybe they've wanted the kids their whole life. And for someone to tell them they can't as a result of this diagnosis, 
Yeah. So it's one of the most heartbreaking things to hear women come into my office and say that their doctor told them that they couldn't get pregnant because of their PCOS. And it's heartbreaking because it's not true. That's what gets me is there are so many things in your control, including your fertility. And this is actually the point that women come to see me when they've already tried everything and nothing else is working. And I'm like the last resort, which I'm okay with. But do you know what's even better than that? Being the first resort and Mm -hmm. having women plan for conception and plan for fertility before it's too late or before they feel this overwhelming, heavy weight on their shoulders of not being able to get pregnant. Instead of waiting until it's time to have a baby, why don't you start planning ahead of time so that we can do everything in our power to optimize your body for the future of your fertility rather than when you're already stressed about not being able to get pregnant. So next time, or every time you think about going on to Dr. Google, please don't. Google is like the number one resource of awful things. And you're going to get so much negative, horrible stories from Google. But you're different. You're a different person than all the women posting their horror stories on Google. Because you're listening to this podcast. You're trying to get all the information before it's too late. You may have a bit of a more challenging time getting pregnant because you have PCOS, but I've worked with so many women who have PCOS and are pregnant or who have babies now. It's definitely possible. My number one piece of advice is work with a practitioner who can help you avoid the stress and the overwhelm and the Googling and the feelings of hopelessness because they're going to make your fertility worse and work with someone proactively rather than reactively. And I think it just highlights your point that you said earlier, like it's, you are not your diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. All right. Well, those are all the questions that I had. We really did a great job diving in. Is there anything else, Elizabeth, that you'd like to share about PCOS? Yeah, PCOS is definitely something that you can work on on a more holistic front. You don't need to go on birth control. You don't need to go on metformin to control your symptoms. You can reverse your PCOS if you're working with the right practitioner, which is really important to know because it can feel like a life sentence when you're diagnosed with it, but it isn't. So make sure that you're investing in yourself. Make sure that you are finding someone to work with who gets it, who can really help support you and your body through this time because it is it can be really overwhelming and that stress is just going to exacerbate your PCOS symptoms so definitely try and find someone to work with who's going to alleviate some of that stress and give you an action plan to work towards wonderful so now why don't you tell our listeners if they're interested in working with you and absorbing all of your clinical knowledge and awesomeness where can they do that Yeah, so you can head over to my website, elizabethrabeld.com or find me on social media at elizabethrabeldwellness and get all the fun details there. And I'll put all those links links in our show note below. And we'll also, I know Elizabeth, you had a freebie that you wanted to give our listeners access to. So we'll put the link to get that a guidebook. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? What's in that one? Yeah, so it's like PCOS cheat sheet. So my eight top tips for PCOS and it includes foods and supplements and my favorite things to do to help combat PCOS. Okay, so actually everyone needs to go and download it 
right now because that is really going to supplement the knowledge that you learned in this episode. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. It's great to have you here. You have such a lovely energy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of all future episodes. And don't forget to check out the show notes for all guest details and your free downloadable goodies. Your feedback is important to me, so please, please leave a review so women can find and be empowered by this knowledge. If you have a topic you'd like to see discussed on the show or have a recommendation for guests you'd like to see interviewed, please get in touch by emailing the Hormone Heartbeat Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>